Pelotero Pickle, episode 118. Chris and I are going to recap our trip to Italy that we went out there to do a clinic in Parma. Had a ton of pizza, which was awesome. rest of the episode is Chris and I discussing the finer elements of pitch clocks at the professional and collegiate level. A lot of weird stuff going on in baseball. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 118. We're back from a little hiatus. We'll tell you where we've been. But before we get started, a reminder, send us your emails with questions to pickle at pelotero.com or hit us up on social media. Twitter is Pelotero Pickle or just find us Pelotero. If you search us, you'll find us. Uh, Episode 118, Chris, have you recovered from Italy? Because I'm still sick. I was thinking I ate about this. All the, food. Uh, the park parking is a parking wreck with uh, Ron Swanson when he's like, "Give me all the bacon." Are you familiar with that scene? We basically went to like, give us give us all the bacon and no, but I get in the it. scene. He's like, yeah. "You may have missed. You may have heard what I said and said, bring me a lot of bacon." He said, "Don't do that. Bring me all the bacon." So we had a lot of pizza, pizza, gelato. All the food. I wish I had more gelato. All the food, but. That's right. Uh, Producer Patrick, I think, said he gained like 13 pounds. I gained over 10. We did it. (laughs) We we had a lot of of carbs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a carb country. Carb and sugar country. But nobody's fat over there, so it's... If I lived there, I would be fat. If I ate like that. Eat pizza. No, well, ages. you wouldn't, but you wouldn't eat like that, right? It would just be like normal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd have pizza once a week and you'd have just one instead of 13 in a sitting. And then you'd eat gelato once or twice a week and you'd have a smaller size because, I mean, we were ordering the. You were like, make me a 20 year old gelato. Gets. You that your stated goal is a twenty, which is so. If I you're tried. not familiar with what gelato is, it's, ba- it's like Italian's version I of tried. ice cream, and it's well. I, didn't I think really everybody's know what the was with when I got there is. the first time we were there, I, right? It's like yeah, but it's it's just it's ice not, cream. Though. It's, it's that's the word for ice it's cream. Better. Succulent, it's succulent's a good word. So. We went to Italy to do a clinic. We also ate pizza and had gelato. Um, Junior Parma, we were in, in Parma, Italy, which I found out they, a lot of people there say Parma, which I was very disappointed. When I heard that, I've been practicing for years saying Parma, and uh, they're like, they're like, yeah, we just say Parma. They don't roll their so, R's right. in part in part in the Emilia in the re, in the regione. Of Emilia, which is half of Emilia Romagna, they don't. They're not very good at rolling their R's, so they say they don't say Parma. They say yeah. Parma. it's not like an American R Parma. with the, like a pirate Parma. says an R. That's, how, that's my distinction. Uh, it was good. We the, the clinic was good. 
heard about it. sounds. Kava, thank you if you're listening. Grazie, if you're listening. Yeah, Kava. Francesco Cavazzini. Well, My as they should be. Pronunciations are electric. From there. Uh, yeah. So we had a clinic. We worked. We worked with. Uh, Got to see it was a almost lot of hundred hitters, right? We had a bunch yeah. of hitters. We did a clinic for the coaches. Uh, two nights for the coaches. You and I both made presentations. Two presentations, both nights. Or sorry, one presentation for two nights. So two total. I just made that way more confusing than it needed to be. Uh, but it was good. I think what you were trying to say is that you presented on Correct. one night. And then presented yes. again on another night, and we I both presented, presented on one night, and then presented on again on another night. nights. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little Correct. bit about. Yeah, baseball, let's ta- let's softball, different about, orgs. Yeah, it was great. I guess we could say international baseball as much as Italian baseball, because it's very different than the states. The uh, the dynamic is just different, where. The, the business of baseball is very different. There's no like, there's no private lessons. There's no clinics, camps. There's no, it's, it is pay for play, but if you become part of an organization, you're part of that organization. It's not a, you don't bounce from one team to another. Like if you sign up for junior Parma as an eight year old, you're with them forever. Right. Basically <laughs> 30 words or less. So the way sports work over there, um, they're part of bureaucracy. They're part of national organizations. So every sport in Europe is run by an organization that is what they, in Italy, it's called CONI, the Comitato Olimpico Nazionale Italiano, the Olympic Committee for Italian sports. They have a headquarters that is where all government funding for sports come from. So government branch, they say Coney, there's a president of Coney. Coney then disseminates. They have, you know, different people that run like a council essentially or board of directors. And then uh, each underneath them, each sport has its own national federation. So you have to be part of a national federation to be taken seriously as a sport. So there's nothing outside of that national federation. So like it would be the equivalent of everything running under the, 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 the umbrella of USA baseball here, basically. Right now, those national federations put on, national championships for every level so you have your top level they call it senior seniores which is seniors like any series a series b series c team you're playing in the top level and then you're 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 divided by class so like series a top level teams series b would be like triple a series c would be like double a basically and then everything below that you have your u23 u21 u18 u15 uh, U12 levels, and then you can get down to U9, but that's just youth, right? So, um, every team, every società that decide, decides to become part of the national championship has to enroll in the federation. They have to go to their own communities and say, Hey, I want to have a team, um, all non for profit, 
And essentially what they do is they get granted these areas in their own communities that either have fields or facilities or things like that. And their responsibility is the upkeep. They don't really pay rent. They'll pay for like water and sometimes for electricity. But it's essentially the town saying, hey, we're going to grant you this land over the course of the next 30 years or whatever it is. No cost, but you have to keep it up yourself. Um, yeah, so it's it's different. And then your responsibility is to get funding for your own program. So if a player wants to sign up for baseball at age 12, you know, in Parma, it's like kind of a hotbed in Italy, that region for baseball. So within a 40-mile radius, there's eight different societas in Parma or just on the outskirts of it. And uh, it creates better visibility, better ability to compete, play. But picture that spread out through Italy. So then you just play national championships. So you play within your district, then within your region, and then at the national level. Yeah. And it's true for all levels. And once you become part of an organization, you're, to your point, they, have, they essentially have a player card that belongs to them. And then they sell players as you get older, like they can sell you to another organization. Some teams give the players their cards and they say, here, you can go wherever you want. Yeah. But there's no like perfect game type thing. No Cal Ripken, no nope. Babe Ruth, nope. no Legion Ball, no Connie Mack, nothing like that. No AAU. No, you're at the mercy of that organization. You are at the mercy of what tournaments they sign up for, the regular season that you play with them, making the postseason, not making the postseason. And it's a lot of training, man. It's like a 12-month-a-year thing. You're, you're, you have access to the facilities. You have access to the fields um, once you're part of the organization. But obviously, without having any other means of making money, you know, you can do ticket sales and have a restaurant at the field. That's how you can make a little bit of money. But everything else is through sponsorship. Um, and sponsorship is not necessarily important for a team that draws maybe 50 fans on a Saturday for a doubleheader. Yep. Different, different yeah. setup over there. There was a video that was going kind of viral. I think Czech Republic, they had asked, like, what are your jobs? Did you see that video? And they were like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I work in sales or I'm a, I do marketing or I'm a engineer. Basically, the, the, the team for the WBC for Czech Republic is a bunch of, they're a bunch of guys that have normal jobs and they're playing in the World Baseball Classic against major leaguers from Dominican and Puerto Rico and United States. And they're just rolling up from their nine to fives trying to compete at the global level. And they probably do all right. I mean, they probably won't win, but it's uh, it's just very different over there. It's not really to, to say that you have a career in sport there. I guess soccer, you can do it. Basketball to an extent, but not baseball's not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, there's really not a lot of professionalism in sport, right? Like soccer is different. Um They've, they've now detached themselves from the federation model as part of Coney, and they have a league. So if you're a league in Italy, you're different than being part of a national federation. So soccer is now a league. 
Uh, Juventus is the first team in the history of Italian soccer to own its own stadium. So they they built they bought and built their own stadium. Um, how they get which is how they, pretty how they slide that through? Deal. That must have been um, a challenge. Rome is talking about doing that. Yeah, this is what happens when uh, again bureaucracy. A lot of hoops to jump through, but you got to know the right people in the right places. And um, yeah, it'd be great to have the income from every beer and espresso that you sold every Saturday. I would imagine. As opposed to, you know, that belonging to a community or a government or where it has to get yeah. disseminated a bunch of different ways. Uh, did you have a favorite, a favorite meal, or favorite place that we saw? Well, I got yeah, the one you missed the last day. I was, I wasn't in a good place that last night. I was pretty, I was hurting quite a bit. I can't get my ears to pop. I still, my ears are. I cannot get them to pop. Got to figure that out. That'll be a joyous moment when that happens. I keep like plugging my nose and trying to blow out, but being sick on a plane was not great. Food. I just, I thought all the food was great. Parma. I thought was, the city was awesome. Really enjoyed it. And anytime, if you have a chance to go to Europe, if you've never been, there's just history. It feels very different being there. They care about a lot of different stuff. They care about their culture. Everything is preserved, restored, maintained. Uh, buildings are old. They're... Let's put it this way. They don't use their space as well as they could because everything's built off the infrastructure that it was built on in ancient Roman times and things of that nature, like lots of stone, cobblestone roads and buildings on top of each other, uh, you know, a 900 square foot apartment might cost six, 700,000 euros, depending on the location. It is like their, 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 their lives are built around socialism. And I mean that from like literally the relational side of socialism. Like that's what they do. They congregate, they, they meet, they, they interact, they share. Um, materialism is very different there. Like capitalism is not the driving force behind what they do. And that's why they've struggled economically a little bit too. And, you know, in this world of globalization and you see now there's like a trickle effect to, everything where somebody said to me that uh, my, my friend over there said, I wish they'd only released the iPhone in America. I said, that'd be weird. Yeah, that would be pretty strange. That's cool though. It's, it's, I, I always enjoy seeing and experiencing different cultures. So it was, it was good. And just to be able to go out and use Pelotero, it's, it's always good to dog food your, your product. <clears throat> so we get to work with a bunch of hitters and build programs and use the tools. So that's always good. Um, the format of the clinic. So each group that we worked with, we would, the first day we did kind of a, an assessment type day and work with them and then built programs. So their second day there, they got their own custom plans and they get to work through them. So it was, it was fun. I used a lot of translation app to try to communicate some stuff and it was, it was fun to uh, 
in one of my presentations, I used the word drill, but it came back as like a drill you would use to build something with, not an exercise. So you had to be very, an actual like this is drill. Like, to actually drill. Uh, <clears throat> so got to be careful with words and it makes you, forces you to be very concise with what you're saying. Very concise, but explicit and um, direct. So no room for fluff. Baseball doesn't A lot of words that you try to use, like trying to talk about timing is hard. Um, like things like tipping the barrel. Like I, I kept saying, make the barrel parallel to the ground as like a, one of the, one of the drills was, was flat barrel. And I was like, how do you say like flat, 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 flat. And it was like, I kept translating and they're like, no, no, no. They kept saying, I, I don't understand that one. So parallel was what I kept saying. Parallel. Translation app was clutch. Yeah. Nice. Veloce. Faster. Faster. Velocity. Nice. Because it just it's just intent. They did uh the first night I asked I in my presentation I I asked like, do you know what hit tracks is? Do you know what trackman is? Like, do you have you used Rapsodo? And like there's I don't think there's a single hit tracks in the country of Italy. So like think about what kids in the United States are growing up with. Nope. And then you can go on the you know flip side to, to Dominican or something that like uh, you know you see videos on Twitter or Instagram. You know kids are in like a patch of dirt just fielding a thousand ground balls with immaculate mechanics and it's just different. Italians, Italians are very so. If you look at if you look at the country as a whole, it's very it, they 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 operate in the arts, right? They're they're an artistic country. It's again, based on history and culture and theoretical things like their education is incredibly complex, even at the, the high school and, and middle and elementary what? school level. Like I took geometry in second grade. Imagine that I took geometry in second grade. So when I took geometry as a freshman in high school, I laughed at my teacher because I was like, oh, the Pythagorean theorem. And they're like, what? How do you know that? I was like, I learned it when I was seven. And it's interesting because is that a landline? Is that a landline right now? A lot of your studies. Are, <laughs> I yes, don't think I've is. heard a landline it ring. Is. I have no control over in it. ten years. That um, is, that's crazy. Keep going. Sorry, that threw me. So any like a lot of their stuff is theoretical and not practical. Where I think our the American education system is focused more on practice and like lab experience co-ops uh internships things like that like getting real world experience not i don't don't think we're perfect at it by any stretch of imagination but um when you talk to a lot of my my friends people that i grew up with like your studies are very involved you have to choose a major in high school so you choose a very specific high school um you can go to classic art school or you can go to um engineering or you can go into uh, they call it ragioneria where you like do a lot of math and um computational stuff um and then their grading systems are very difficult their exams are intense but i would say they don't put a lot of things into practice or have the practical application a lot of stuff so that's what happens in sports too is they end up practicing and training a significant amount i've never met an italian kid that doesn't know how to practice and I was actually just talking to the guys at the WBC yesterday and they're shocked that they have their workouts right now in Arizona. They don't get on the field till two. 
So they're on the field at two and they're off by five. Um, and they're confused by it. And I said, like, what else are you going to do? And they, they don't quite understand. And I said, yeah, that's what baseball practice is. You just hit BP and go home. Do PFE, maybe bunt defense, maybe cuts and relays. That's it. See you later. Different world, different cultures. Yeah, they don't play enough, they, but they don't play. And that, I yeah, think what was it, um, playing is what creates the experience. One of the academies that's what saying they're lacking. They, play like, they don't have enough games. Like 12 games for a regular season? Something like that? Like that's, that's not Yeah, enough. their whole season is 12 games. They practice 11 and a half months to play 12 Crazy. games. And then they'll go play some tournaments, but those tournaments have to be organized and you have to get invited. Even the top level is like 32 games right now. It's brutal. They don't get it. They only want to play on Saturdays and Fridays and to the point before people work and they have jobs, things like that. Maybe play a game, go, go grab a pie. That ain't it. And, uh, and just to clarify, when you go get pizza, everybody orders their own pizza. That that's very important. We maybe we can throw a video in there in the for social purposes. You get your own pie. Everybody gets their own full pizza. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. Yeah, just and you're not even full when you finish. Apparently, it. full of carbs and makes you fat, but that's all right. Worth it. All right, let's switch gears. Let's let's dig into a topic that must be talked about, but it's not on the show list for today. The pitch clock in spring training. I am very much on the fence about this. I think some changes need to be made. But at, before we get into anything else, I want to talk about how this would have ruined you as a player. <laughs> how much trouble it would have given you as a, because you took you were a human rain delay in the box. Yeah, I hate it. It's brutal. I think the cat and mouse that gets played between hitter and pitcher is just as important a game as anything else that happens on the field. And it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, look, at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to we're, we're trying to attract a fan that isn't going to be a fan anyway. But the the fan that has a problem with the timing of a baseball game is the fan that wants to be a, a highlight fan anyway, and it's fine. It just leave them alone. I, it, you can't fundamentally alter the outcome of games by creating a clock that makes no sense. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. That's it, period. End of story. It's dumb. I won so many at-bats because of it. I won at-bats. I rattled pitchers. I, I got in their domes. And not to mention, it's a thinking man's game. I need that time to think. I told Brett Phillips in a tweet. I said, Mav, I respectfully disagree with you. It's not eyewash. It's all time that hitters or certain type of hitters need for themselves, for their thoughts. I would have. I think I would have struggled with it, but you're probably going to get used to it pretty quick. At the same time, that's my what I think is going to happen. The uh, as a so in college as a leadoff hitter, I used to leverage the time and and try to take advantage of 
messing with the pitcher's rhythm, understanding the pace of the game. If the guy's working quick, I'm going to slow him down. If he's working slow, I'm going to stand in there and speed him up. I was always trying to use that to my advantage as, as part of the game. The The current modern MLB game is kind of brutal at times. The, the requirement that a reliever needs to face three batters or finish the inning is strange. The pickoff stuff is weird. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it feels like the game's becoming unrecognizable in so many levels. we got the shift. The shift is uh, off this year, right? Is that? Yeah. No shift. In the shift now? So no shift, pitch clock. <sighs> Part of me thinks about the home run derby and how it's kind of cool that it's happening now and that there's, there is a time limit on that. I just don't know if I like it in a game setting. The bats that I've watched, you kind of do have to pay attention. You have to be more in tune and like it's more active for sure. And there's some videos floating around on like how much time there was before between pitches before. And there's there's certain pitchers that just take forever. They just it's ages before they throw the ball, and that's not fun to watch. Okay, cool. I I hate hate despise. Outcomes from a bat's being determined by a clock. I don't think nope. that should happen. I don't think you should, like, you can't call strike three because a guy was, like, digging in. Or the guy's standing in the box, but he doesn't, like, doesn't have his hands up. Like, what's what's the rule? I don't even know what the rule is. It, you know what the actual rule is? You have to address the pitcher, I guess, is the rule. But, it, it again, it's all it, – it's just all really – insignificant to the game itself and to the there are critical moments in games that happen and we don't know when they're going to happen every day and those critical moments require more TLC and the reality is if we take away a player's ability, to, the, the the problem is it's not linear, right? It's it, the, the outcomes. You can't see the difference in the outcome, or you can't feel it. You can't touch it because it's not personal. I wrote an article on our on our community about this. It's if it's not personal to you, then it doesn't matter to you. And I, I said this about a called third strike on a player. Like nobody can understand the implications and the effects that that has on an individual. Maybe that kid that struck out to end the Red Sox Braves game, maybe that's his only at bat in big league camp this year. Maybe it was his only chance to do something in front of the big league staff. And the at bat literally got taken away from him. And sure, we could argue that maybe it's memorable because of that, but it's still garbage. It's still like, like you didn't make the guy throw a pitch. Don't get it's just so stupid, and not to mention the effects that it's going to have negatively on the game in terms of like a coach arguing or whatever. And then fans are going to say, Well, we want to see that, we want to see stuff we don't see normally. It's all hogwash. I won at bats because I took too much time. I won at bats because I took too much time. I won at bats because I got in pitchers' heads. I, I, I fundamentally affected the rhythm that they were in by taking more time, and that's been, that's like art. It's it's artistic. It's clever. It's a competitive advantage. And now we're we're, we're again we're 
we're making it less about the cat and mouse and we're making it more about just, oh, what's your sheer skill set? What's your raw talent? That sucks. I hate it. Well, that wouldn't have helped you in your career. It wouldn't have helped me, that's for sure. I ain't got no talent. I ain't got no raw ability. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just weird. I for a game to end because the I just looked up the rules. It says it's like the the hitter has to be f- the actual rule. Let me pull it up again. We're getting there. It's waiting for page to load. Come on, uh, pitcher has fifteen seconds to deliver the ball. With the base empty or 20 seconds with the base occupied, hitter must be in the box and facing the pitcher with no less than eight seconds remaining. What does that mean, facing the pitcher? Like looking at him? Yeah, I guess head up. I, it's, I don't. I think you should. I mean, just if he's not ready, just throw the pitch. Who cares if he's not ready? Exactly. I'm, just Middle throw Brooks the pitch. Said it in the tweet. <laughs> Middlebrook said he? we should get Middlebrooks on the show. He's like, well, just let him throw the pitch. There should, if you want to make a rule, just be like, "Hey, we don't care if the hitter's in the box or not. At this point in time, the pitcher is allowed to throw the pitch." And then you see how quickly. But as soon as you force something down somebody's throat, it, everything should be dictated off the rhythm of of everything. Right, the game has its own natural flow state. It's every game has its own. It's a life form, dude. It's not. It's been a timeless game and the hit like forever. And now we're trying to make it a timed game. It's so stupid. Create a new game. I did see something. I did see something that somebody said that there was. There's always been a a, a rule for time, like twelve seconds, but it's never been implemented ever. <laughs> I you just got to make the guy throw the pitch. You can't give him a free pitch. You can't. You can't award a strike when a strike hasn't been issued. That's the the beauty of this game. Baseball and softball is you have to execute the pitch. You have to throw you have to complete the game. In football, you can run out the clock. Basketball, you can run out the clock. You can't run out the clock in baseball. You have to make something happen. You have to throw the ball over the plate. You have to get a swing. The guy has to make a play. You're just bailing people out. I hate it. That's the only thing. That's the thing I hate about this. But I think if the hitter's not ready, just throw the just throw the pitch. I almost just swore. Just throw the pitch. If he throws a strike, it's a strike. If he throws a ball, it's a ball. Whether that guy the guy's ready or not, who cares? Just make him throw the pitch. The one that I'm watching, the pitcher's not on the rubber. The hitter's like stepped out, waiting for the guy to get on the rubber, and they call a strike on him. How's that? How's that make sense? As soon as the guy gets on the rubber to take the sign, he gets in. It's so dumb. It's a different game. And when you change the game, when you change the way that outcomes are created, it's a new game. It's not the same game. It, it just, why do we have to appeal to everyone? I, I, I get it. It's commercialism at its finest. It, like We're trying to expand the reaches of the game. and But it, it, once you start fundamentally compromising how the game gets played, then we're done. We're, we ha- we can't we, ha- we can't cross the line. We're we're taking rules objections through Twitter. Like it's so stupid. It, it, why is Twitter determining whether or not hitters are taking too much time? 
the fans are still showing up at the games. You're still paying salaries are, are higher than ever at the top level. So obviously they're making money. The San Diego Padres are spending money like it's going out of style. So revenue is not broken. So why are you trying to change the game? They just gave Machado more money. Yeah. Machado's going to be the first $500 million player in the history of baseball. Total career earnings. That's wild. That's wild. I came up with that on my own. Nobody, nobody told me that either. I didn't read that anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Middlebrooks' tw- tweets right now. Yeah, just throw the ball. Just make him throw the ball. The hitter's not ready. Hitter can't do anything until the pitcher does something. What's I don't know. That's crazy. The hitter's not ready. It's his fault. Just like if a guy quick pitches you, it's your it's the hitter's fault for not being ready. Wasn't that true? Easy. Wasn't that true forever though? Wasn't it already a rule that if the hitter, theoretically, if the hitter was in the box, the pitcher was allowed to deliver the pitch. Pitchers just didn't do it because it was like part of the common courtesy or respect of the game. And that, like a hitter, a hitter gets five, six, seven swings a game. He doesn't get 120 pitches or 100 pitches. Like, let him take his seven swings the way he wants to. I don't understand. And it's never, it's really never a problem. It's only a problem for like three pitches a game when a, like, a ball doesn't get fouled off or put in play or there's not a swing and miss. But the hitter, if the hitter steps out in those moments, then he's a jackass. I used to do that. But I used to do it as I started, they started fining me and I would get fined and I would either pay it or appeal it. And then I would get it reinstated. And I it was keep one foot in the box after a non-action pitch. Great. It's fine. Was that the, was Whatever. that the guidelines? What yeah. was it fine? What was it fine for taking too long? $500, but you had to do it three times <laughs> in a, in a series or something. I got fined five hundred dollars three separate times. Uh, some video guy that they created a job for, I guess. I don't know. So somebody's job was to keep track of how long you were taking between pitches, and then would you get like a letter sent? How did that work? Get yeah, I would get a letter in my locker. I had like six of them in two thousand. Like printed out, they like mailed like like a letter with a stamp. Yep. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it was stamped or if it was sent directly to. The, they emailed it to like the traveling secretary, and he put it in my locker. It felt more like that was the case, but yeah, that's a little bit more efficient. Yeah, it also. It's, I'm just, again, picture, I'm just, just picturing somebody in my head like, oh, Calabello got him again. Let's send him. <laughs> let's yeah, find him. Yeah, and then the the chain of events that has to take place for all that to occur. Again. I, if my objective is to hit the best that I can so I can get paid the most, I'll take every $500 fine. It's great. Put them all in my locker. And then like, it's so stupid. I appealed two of them and I won them right away. They were like, Oh, I was like, yeah, I had to fix my shin guard. I was out of screen. You couldn't see it. Like, okay. So if a guy gets something in his eye, should we just, which leads us directly into the timeout thing. That was absurd. The Let's Tennessee shift to guy? that. Oh my god! I wanted to throw something through the screen. So what's what's going on at the college level? Is it the same rules? 
Yeah, they've had a pitch clock for a while, but it's just stupid. It's just dumb. And then they don't want guys calling timeout. So, again, the implication is, hey, you're not ready to play. Let's just play anyway. In a game that has limited activity, where you have to ensure you get four at bats a game, sometimes less. Sometimes if you're a pinch hitter, you get one. But let's not make sure you're ready to go. It's just, I hate it. I don't know why the the hitter has any implication here. They, if the pitcher's ready to throw, you have to be ready to hit. You should be allowed a certain amount of time to get ready. Like whether you don't, you shouldn't let the pitcher quick pitch you. If you're standing with two feet in the box. Or if the guy's off the mound, there's no way you should get an infraction. Manny Machado got a strike called against him the other day. He didn't care. He just stood in the box. It was like, but the the whole point is, these are the things that they don't matter to anyone until they happen to them, right? Until they they become like a factor for them. Like, and, and that's the part that's annoying is nobody takes it personal until it's personal. Oh, yeah, just get over it. Oh, deal with it. Well, what happens the time that it affects you because your batting glove came on Velcro in the middle of your bat or, you know, your glasses fogged up or your shoes untied and you notice it or, like, you're telling yourself, you know, be on time and then all of a sudden you think about a chimichanga in the box and then you lose focus for a second. Uh, well, then what? <laughs> Jimmy Chungo was nice. That was a nice touch. No, it's just, it's it's so strange to me. We're changing the game, dude. If, I, that's why the, the not, game's unrecognizable. You said it. Yeah, it, it, a lot of it's, it's just, it's a, it's a strange thing to watch now. It doesn't, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't feel like the game that I grew up watching. We'll see. We will see. The the calling for time, if I if there's a situation where I got something in my eye and I couldn't call timeout, that's wild to me. Yeah, it's wild. It's dumb. I called time at least once a game. Sometimes just to mess with the guy on the mound. Yeah, but the the weird the weird thing about it is they force you to get in there, <clears throat> you gotta stand there for like eight seconds, maybe even more if there's a runner on base there's like studies about how long your attention span is or how long certain people's like it. There's yeah, it's just, it's weird. You're trying to force something to happen. If a guy's cruising in the fourth inning and it's the second time through the order and you notice it as a hitter, your only job is to disrupt his flow. Right. So I was telling, I was taking some at bats with the, the high school kids around here last year. And I literally walked into home plate and I said to the catcher, I go, you want to see how you mess with a guy right here? And I like took my sweet times, like, you know, fixing the dirt in the box, digging the hole, you know, that's as much a part of, of baseball as a double play. It's the same. It's the same thing. And again, because the hitter has so few opportunities to impact the game, again, it's part of this bigger paradigm that doesn't get measured. So we don't, we're, we're, we're insinuating that it doesn't matter, that it's irrelevant. 
when in reality it's it's incredibly important it's it's championship play it's it, it, it's why the 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 odds before a game don't always come out true and we sit here and we go what the, what the heck you know cuz if we want to make it about oh whoever's the better team or the more talented team or the better athlete and look i'm i'm probably overstating how much impact it has but it could it certainly could it's getting it's it's taking us closer to the the true outcomes so why even play the game oh well paper says this guy's better but like you're supposed to gain competitive advantages however you can in sport not not just oh well they're better than us let's just let's just duke it out you know It's weird. Weird situation. Uh, Carlos Correa, is it Joan? Is that how you say his name? Joan Duran? J-H-O-A-N? Joanne? Joan? You're asking the wrong guy. Patrick? Not Joan? Joe? Johan? Johan? Duran? Guy that throws gas for the... Uh, They're all acceptable. Yeah. Uh, really good, just interaction. <clears throat> I, apparently, Correa was talking trash, saying that he was going to take him deep, and then he just f- had to face him in spring training. He's hitting him with some 102 mile an hour sliders, breaking off some nasty breaking balls. Uh, <clears throat> what take us through 102 like, mile an hour sliders fast? 100, I said sinker, 102 mile an hour sinker. Actually, it says in the tweet, it says splinker. I don't know what a splinker is. I mean, when you go back and listen to the fact that you said 102 mile an hour slider, you're going to think differently of it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, okay. Well, 90, it says 90, uh, 102, 99 mile power splinker, which is probably a splitter sinker. Split sinker. Yeah. It's, it has enough vertical Have drop you ever heard that before? Be considered. Have you ever heard splinker? No. Have you ever heard splinker? No. Patrick no. has. Because See, this. Like, I feel like I'm getting old. I feel like I'm the old man yelling at the clouds now at at certain times, which I don't like. I I never thought I would be, and I am. Yeah. Uh, 90 mile power curveball is fuel. So my question was, my my question was going to be in terms of, in terms of like spring training, getting ready for games, there's a lot of videos where guys are just standing in. Now the games are starting. How would you typically approach your early at bats? If you're facing a guy like Duran well, here throwing splinkers at 102, are you just standing up there watching saying, Hey, thanks, buddy. Good job. Yeah. No, I, didn't want to get my feel- I didn't want to get my feelings hurt. So I would generally, if I knew a guy was going to dominate me, I wouldn't swing. But all I, I mean, you only do three days of live at bats against your own guys, basically, right? So either two or three, depends. And. I hated not hating the other pitcher, right? So, like, if I didn't hate the other pitcher, if I knew he was on my team, inherently I already didn't want to hate him because he was going to be my teammate. So I tried to avoid talking to pitchers at all costs, but generally that didn't happen because you're in the same locker room, playing, clubhouse, whatever, blah, 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 dugout. And... I used those at bats to like see if I remembered how to hit what it meant to feel like 
to be on time to fastball. And it's always terrifying because it's, there's no counts, there's no situations, there's no moment, right? So like the, even the atmosphere around the at bat, you can't build the moment. It's like, Oh, well, let's just play it. Like it's not a count and the pitcher's working on stuff. And so it was really hard because you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't play the game. And that part made it really difficult for me. And again, he was going to be on my team, so I didn't want to destroy him. Um, so I hated it. I hated playing against guys that I didn't hate. Um, it was hard. And I just didn't have that capacity to be able to go, oh, I'm going to just make it about this moment. Like I, w- I could have never played in practice because that's why I stunk at practice. I was terrible at it. I needed I needed there to be a box score. I needed there to be a scoreboard. That's probably why I always say practice for the birds. When do you start ramping up? First game. Like I, hate, first... I, I always hated, I always hated like preseason at bats. I always felt like it's not, not that I wasn't ready, but adrenaline wasn't flowing. It was always just trying to get my swing off more than anything else. The first real pitch that you see in a game changes everything. Cause there's something riding on it. Like everybody's watching you when everybody's watching you then it matters, right? That's when I had to feel the game. I had to feel the scenario. I had to know how many outs there were, what the score was, uh, where runners were. Because otherwise it's just, oh, well, there's no no context to the moment. So as soon, but I'll tell you what, no matter how bad I felt yesterday in live ABs, I'd go into the game and I, which with Cleveland, my first step out of spring training, I ended up having like a 12 pitch at bat or 11 pitch at bat and then hit a double up the gap. And I, I, I felt I was scared. I was in the box. Like I have no chance of hitting the ball and I was still trying to figure out my timing. And, and then some magically I, I just went and I tried to, I tried to stay as short as possible to a ball. And I, because I was late to the fastball and then eventually I got to it and I hit a double, but that's when it gets real. You know, there had to be a team on the other side, somebody in the other dugout. It was you against the guy on the mound and that's where you can get embarrassed. Right. Cause you're like, Oh, everybody's watching me right now. And then the actual game start and it's all a whole different thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt like there was such a huge difference between real games and non-real games. Yeah. Uh, the rest of it's just to talk mindset. shit, right? Like, if you're doing it against your own teammates, <laughs> it's just to get to see who talks smack. Yeah. Anything you look for uh, in terms of performance in spring training? Any any players that you're trying to follow or pay attention to? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't really pay attention to much. I just try to see how my friends are doing. I checked a couple box scores the other day, see who got hits and who didn't, but it's so, it, it so doesn't matter. It literally doesn't. It only matters if it matters to you because it's, I, my spring trainings were different. I always had to make a team basically. So I, I felt the pressure of spring training 
as opposed to just going out there and getting my work in. So it was always different. I was trying to impress somebody. And then 2016, the first time I didn't have to impress anybody and I was as relaxed as could be, I went two for two in our first inner squad with a homer and a double. I had my first homer double day on day one. And then, like, within a week, I knew I was about to get suspended. So I was hitting, like, 380 at camp and <laughs> sucked. A little wrench in the situation there. Yeah. Slight wrench. It was so cool to come out of the game and just be able to go in the clubhouse. And then I remember we played the Phillies in our first game and I was playing and I traveled, I drove to the game. I right after the game, uh, Sportsnet wanted me on. So talked a lot about the year before I hit a triple. It was just like a pop-up down the right field line, hit the warning track and bounced in the corner. So I had a triple and everybody was like, oh, go, go, triple. I was like, yeah, it was a terrible swing. It was like a fillet job to write. But it worked. So, but I remember doing the interview and feeling like so empowered that I could just be fine. I didn't have to be there and be loud and I could just do what I needed to do. And then a week later, that was all gone. So. Well, that's depressing. Is that's that the not, word you're looking for? That's not fun. That's horrible. I mean, I remember. I remember. I, I have that video of your homer in that first spring training game somewhere because I was down there. Um, that's yeah. when I knew I was going to have a big year because if I was that good on day one, how good was I going to be on day 60? It was just different. I was in a different mindset. I knew I could do it. I was, I was. I had already done it. It was nice. Did an interview with Clutch after the game. Yeah, that was the most most comfortable you were in a spring training situation, for sure. Good stuff. All right, I think that's it. On that note. Pitch clock, no timeouts, and pickle out.